What's up, Warriors, and welcome to Warrior Life Podcast number 366. Uh, This is Buck Green sitting in for Jeff Anderson, and today I thought we'd talk about something a little bit different that we have touched on sort of in part, and that is knife cults. Specifically, what they are, how to join them, and why you'd want to. Are you ready? Then let's talk joining a knife cult. Tactical firearms training. Urban survival. Close quarters combat. Welcome to the show that helps you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is the Warrior Life Podcast. Okay, we're back. This is Buck Green in for Jeff Anderson. We're going to talk about knife cults today. Now, I want to start off by saying, when I say a knife cult, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. We attach this negative connotation to the word cult. You know, we think of weirdos and and groups that abuse their followers and people that exploit the folks who believe in them. That's not what I'm talking about. Here, the term cult simply refers to a kind of training tribe, a group that is devoted to uh, pursuing self-defense with a blade in much the same way. Knives are such a basic and readily available tool. Uh, They're they're tools that can be improvised if you can't get access to better knives. They're tools that have a great deal of power. Uh, It's been said many times, by me at least, that uh, guns are the single best weapon for self-defense, but knives are second best. The gap between the two is fairly large, but it is still the case that the knife is an incredibly powerful self-defense tool. It offers you the ability to accomplish a lot. Uh, By that I mean Like a lever, it lets you do more damage with less effort. And in the context of self-defense, damage boils down to being able to stop someone from hurting you. You are preempting their attack, you are interrupting their attack by bringing to bear on them sufficient force to neutralize them. You're not out to kill them, uh, but if your life is in danger and you have a moral and legal justification for using potentially deadly force, then if they happen to die from you stopping them from killing you, that's kind of their problem. Granted, I'm not a lawyer, and you should really check out our our bulletproof uh, uh, legal defense course because uh, it really all comes down to our legal system being kind of nutty. But if you are in imminent threat of bodily harm and you have... Uh, no way to retreat, and you have the option to use potentially lethal force to stop someone else from killing you, then you may be justified in doing so, and that's the whole point of carrying a knife, a deadly weapon, for self-defense. I know right now there are some people listening to this who are not in the United States uh, who are saying, well, I can't I can't carry a knife in any way. I can't carry any offensive weapon where I live. Uh, it's going to be illegal for me to do that. And I understand that doesn't mean you can't benefit from knowing how to use these techniques because they can work with literally anything, a pencil, an ice pick, a screwdriver. Um, we're, we're talking about, you know, the, the point-driven method that characterizes most of these knife cults that have recognized that slashing and cutting are fine, but they do not definitively end a fight. What ends a fight, what neutralizes an attacker who's trying to murder you is putting a foreign object deep into them uh, and disrupting their organs. Uh, you know, it, it, there's no pleasant way to talk about these things. It's pretty rough stuff. Uh, but before we get to all of that, let's talk about how people get into knife cults. 
A lot of people get into knife cults when they become aware of a specific knife fad. Here I'm thinking of things like uh, the Victorinox fruit knife, the bird's beak paring knife that has become so popular thanks to folks like uh, Ed's Manifesto. Uh, the Pioneer Woman paring knife, that, the knife that broke the internet. We've talked about that before at Warrior Life. Um, the Piper folks have made the Okapi ring pull knife from South Africa super popular. And the Cold Steel Kudu is basically a, a modern upgrade to that knife. Um, I honestly don't know if, if uh, Lynn Thompson was aware of Piper when he introduced the Kudu, because that knife's been around for a while. Uh, I remember giving a bunch of them as Christmas gifts years ago, so I honestly don't know. Uh, I, I would imagine, given some of the knives that Lynn Thompson introduced at Cold Steel, I think every once in a while he saw a knife that he thought was cool, and he said, let's introduce our version of that. Um, and if I owned a knife company, I would do exactly the same thing. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Lynn Thompson, uh, I believe, has sold Cold Steel to another company and has moved on to do some other side venture where he's still doing knives to some degree. But, but you know, the day-to-day -day operation of Cold Steel now belongs to somebody else. Uh, okay, so let's say you've gotten into a knife cult because you've acquired a specific knife or you've become aware of the popularity of a specific knife. Uh, you know, I, that's how I got into the... The fruit knives, and I've done, I think I did an entire podcast on Victorinox fruit knives and the sort of tactical fruit knife craze. Um, once you've acquired that knife, it is only natural for you to be curious about the specific method that is being promoted for use with that knife. Uh, for example, when people talk about the Victorinox fruit knife, they're usually talking about using pical, which is a specific knife method involving the cutting edge being in and the knife being held in a reverse grip. So you've got the sharp edge pointing down from your fist uh, and pointing in towards your body. And what you're doing is you're driving it forward and pulling it to rip your way through whatever's in your way. Pical means to rip. So that's a specific method that goes with that knife. Uh, with the, the Okapi and Kudu knives, and Piper knife fighting, which is South African in origin, there is a specific method that goes with using that knife. There's a way that these folks approach what they do, and you can spot that. Uh, if you look at videos of people who train in Piper, they all kind of look the same when they're practicing, and a lot of these people will post their, their flow drills online. If you look at any of the really cool videos that Scott Babb from Libre Fighting has put up on his YouTube channel, they all kind of have the same look and feel to them. They're consistent to each other. Scott's incredibly good at what he does, uh, and it's fun to watch him work. Um, it's really a, a form-following-function kind of a thing. Uh, practitioners are trying to accomplish a certain goal, and what that goal is dictates how they do it. And to break away from knives a little bit, I've noticed that a lot of the firearms instructors that I've taken classes with all tend to look and feel the same, even though they're from different uh, companies and you know their exact methods may be a little different. The way their bodies move is all kind of the same. You'll see them gliding, you know, gliding along to keep their upper body steady as a shooting platform. You'll see them holding their guns in certain ways to give them better access to the sights. It's something that's remarkably consistent, even when people didn't train together, aren't from the same company, didn't learn under the same instructors. And that sort of quality is also there when it comes to these quote-unquote knife cults, these people who teach fighting with a knife. And, and we've gotten away from the term knife fighting. Knife fighting was a very 
80s and 90s kind of a term back in the old mail order catalog days. Nobody really refers to it as knife fighting anymore, and it never really was because knife fighting makes it sound like a couple of people dueling away like in, in West Side Story, a reference that most of you don't get. In junior high, they made me watch a musical called West Side Story. It's about two gangs in New York City, the Sharks and the Jets, who spend their time engaging in choreographed dance numbers, and occasionally they break to have switchblade fights. And that is West Side Story, where two dudes will get tied together by the left hand and then fight each other with switchblades. And I, I know that this makes me old, but but as a junior high student, that was my introduction to the wonderful world of knife fighting, was the Sharks and the Jets in West Side Story. And, you know, you, you haven't lived until you've watched movies on that stupid rolling cart with the TV and the VCR in it that they used to roll around back when I was in school. Um, and before that, it was, you know, actual projectors because they didn't have the VCRs until a certain point in the 80s. Anyway... <laughs> Knife fighting is is that outmoded model of dueling. What we're talking about, what the knife cults are talking about, is people applying force to other people using blades. That's the whole point. That's that's using the power of the knife to give you the leverage you need, the force multiplication you need to get your way out of a potentially deadly situation. So we have uh, we we really have. A huge advantage over people that came before us, uh, and this is uh, as a follow-on to my forum follows function, uh, the types of specific training that these knife cults offer has never been more widely available. I, back in the old mail order days, the first books on knife fighting I ever bought uh, were from Paladin Press and Delta Press, companies that don't exist anymore. Uh, you know, and you'd have to call a catalog company and place your order over the phone and, and read them your address and let and wait for them to mess it up and repeat it back to you wrong. <laughs> and then eventually, if you were really lucky, you got a box in the mail uh, from UPS that had what you ordered. Um, <laughs> now, if you want to get specific training in the specific methods that these people advocating specific knives are advocating, then you have never lived at a time when it was easier to get. Uh, you can get DVDs. You can watch stuff for free on YouTube. You can watch videos on Instagram, Instagram Live and stuff like that. Or what do they call it? Instagram TV, something like that. Uh, you can watch stuff on Facebook. Uh, there has never been a time when this stuff was more widely available. I have an entire PDF file that is a book on uh, a Piper knife fighting. I don't even remember where I got that. I think it was sent to me by a friend who's also studied Piper. Um, there's just so much out there and it's never been easier to get. Uh, it's only a few clicks away. So you should be very grateful that we live at a time where these knife cults are making their instruction so widely available. And yeah, sometimes you'll pay for it. But you know, what's your life worth? I've never found uh, a knife instruction program that I thought was worthwhile that I also thought was too expensive. Um, you know, I've bought several of the Libre fighting materials. They were all very reasonably priced. Um, and this brings me to number four of my reasons to uh, how to join a knife cult and why you'd want to. We covered one, a specific knife that draws you in. Two, a specific method that sort of dictates how things are done. Three, the specific training that helps you learn how to use that specific method. And all of this leads to four, the sort of culture and trappings of the knife cult. Uh, it's an interesting out, 
outgrowth of knife cults in the types of stuff that they post online, the types of things that become popular among them. Uh, like, for instance, you'll find amongst the, the online knife cults a lot of Santa Muerta imagery. Um, there, you know, it's the Lady Death icon. It, she's sort of a, she's not really a Catholic saint, as I understand it. She's sort of a, an unofficial saint, you know, the, the saint of death. Uh, there's stickers and and all kinds of other sort of auxiliary types of things that that people into these knife cults post in their you know EDC pocket dump pictures on Instagram and in uh, other social media. It's just kind of neat to sort of immerse yourself into that culture. And the reason that it's kind of neat is that it leads to networking. It leads to you making friends with people. I on Instagram. I have made more interesting connections with people who are into the same stuff, you know, and you'll, people will, will write to you to ask you questions about stuff that you posted, or you'll write to them, or you'll comment and say, you know, hey, that, that's a neat knife, where'd you get that? Or what is that that I'm looking at? What is this sticker? Or where'd you get that? And what you're doing is you're building relationships among fellow members of the, of the knife cult. You're essentially part of it now. And as you network, you're, you're, learning more, you're finding more training opportunities, you're getting into training groups, you're meeting people who you might meet in real life maybe and train with. Um, one of the things that that I was really fascinated by, when there was a time when I wanted to do martial arts training because I thought that was the, the model for self-defense. I hadn't yet discovered combatives training. I was under the impression, I was of the opinion, that there wasn't a lot available in my area. I could not have been more wrong. Once I actually started looking and networking with other people in the local martial arts community, I discovered that there was way more training in my area than I, I could possibly imagine. And the same is true for modern knife cult training, modern combatives training. All of this stuff is way more available than you think it is. Unless you're currently living in a snow cave in Alaska, I guarantee that even if you have to travel a little bit, you could find this training if you wanted to. Uh, and and I have been blessed to be able to attend all kinds of seminars with lots of people in the industry. Um, my job, of course, with Warrior Life has afforded me the opportunity to interview a lot of these people, which has been fantastic. Uh, not everybody has uh, that advantage. So all you have to do is start networking as you're, as you're enjoying the culture and the trappings of the knife cult. Network with the people who are in it. Get to know the people who are in it. You're going to, to benefit from that type of networking. And thus, sort of, quote unquote, joining a knife cult is less like running away and joining the circus and more like simply becoming part of a culture of training and approach to the blade as self-defense weapon that will benefit you in lots of areas of, of your life. Because really, what is, what is self-defense training? What is knife training? You are training to protect your life from people who want to take it from you. I can't think of anything more life-affirming than that. And yeah, I know that there's still a part of us who looks at the old the old books on knife fighting. And I'm thinking of, there was Fighting Knives Magazine. I used to buy that magazine. And I believe at one time, Fighting Knives Magazine was almost exclusively written by one guy, I think, who was trying very hard to keep that magazine afloat and didn't have a lot of contributors. But, but I loved it. That was some of my first exposure to the world of blades as, as self-defense weapons and what people were actually teaching about them. And, uh, you know, you can't, you can't deny that we're all a little attracted to the, yes, it's cheesy, but, you know, why, why does cheesy sell? 
because deep down there's a little bit of 14 year old ninja in all of us you know like i grew up in the 80s and and i was part of the the 80s ninja craze i remember making my own ninja stars out of cardboard and aluminum foil and watching ninja shows like the master with lee van cleef on television um there is no getting away from that for a lot of us. So you can acknowledge that, you know, knife fighting sounds cool and romantic while also acknowledging the reality that defending yourself with a blade is a very serious thing. Potentially hurting or taking someone's life in order to preserve your own is a very serious thing. So it all comes down to keeping these things in perspective, networking with the people who can help teach you, and then uh, point number five, keep on learning. One of, the, one of the best outgrowths of getting into a knife cult is the opportunities for continued learning that it gives you. There are all kinds of things I wouldn't know if I hadn't gotten immersed in, in this knife cult culture. Um, I've made a bunch of modifications to one of my cold steel kudu knives that I wouldn't have known about if I had not seen those modifications elsewhere. Um, for Some of the modifications you can do on that knife, for instance, uh, you can put a thumb stud on it. I, I've been aware of bolt-on thumb studs for many, many years, but uh, I've also seen people remove the metal ring pull and replace it with a cord so that it's silent, which is cool. Um, there's no more rattling. Uh, I've seen people even chop the blade down, grind it down so that it's shorter and a little more wieldy in the hand, which I don't know as I would do that to a blade, but uh, if that's what you're into, more power to you. Um, I would not have known any of that if I hadn't seen that in this sort of knife culture online. Uh, another thing that I've really gotten into is pop knives, those those simple retracting razor blade knives that uh, I never really saw as a viable defensive option until I saw how popular they were among the Instagram knife cult crowd. And the reason they're popular is because they're really flat and really concealable, and with a brand new razor blade in there, they're really sharp. Uh, they work better than you might think. Uh, and it's just a simple sort of tactical minimalist way of arming yourself with a disposable blade. Um, and, of course, the, the among the knife cult folks, there's a lot of modifications being done. People doing all kinds of fanciful vinyl wraps on them to make them super cool. Uh, I made myself a bunch of Day of the Dead pop knives with a, uh, some vinyl sheets that I bought online. So it's just there's so many cool things you can get into that you wouldn't have known about otherwise if not for all that networking, if not for all that learning. And really, that's what we're talking about. That's why we built Warrior Life into a community. Because what we're doing is fostering community learning, community improvement. All of us working together to be better able to defend ourselves. So at the end of the day, the reason you might want to join a knife cult and how you do it comes down to those five points. A specific knife driven by a specific method. Uh, the specific training that's available, the culture and the trappings of that knife cult that make it more enjoyable and facilitate networking so that you can keep on learning and uh, continue to grow uh, in your quest to defend yourself and to better protect your family. I can't think of anything better, and it's a lot of fun. All right, that's going to about do it for this episode of Warrior Life Radio. I am Buck Green, sitting in for Jeff Anderson. Until next time, prepare, train, and survive. You've been listening to the Warrior Life Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us spread the mission of self-reliance and self-protection when you rate us. And leave us a comment wherever you enjoy these podcasts. And don't forget to check out our posts and videos on our social media channels. You'll see a full directory when you visit our website at www.warriorlife.com. We'll see you next time. This has been the Warrior Life Podcast. Prepare. 
Train. Survive. <laughs>